This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. So I fire up this film on Netflix, okay? And it starts with the... Fire it up. I fire it up, and it starts with this shot of our main character, whose name I've forgotten, Jodie. Jody. So it starts with this shot of Jody, like half her face and this like bright blue bookshelf behind her, as in like lots of bright blue books on it. And she's in blue. And it cuts across to the other side of the library where there's a boy her age. And it's like, you know, half his face and like this bright yellow bookshelf. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is like, I'm surprised. Uh, well, because, you know, some films, we know they're going to be bad before we watch them. This one, I'm like pretty sure, but that we haven't, you know, neither of us has seen it. So I'm like, am I just right, going to sit here and watch... this could be a curveball. Yeah, exactly. Am I just going to sit here and watch a decent film and then be like, uh, what? Wow. How are we going to do anything with this? Anyway, so then... Luckily, you know, it did not disappoint. <laughs> well, yeah, so it's, it's her face and it cuts back to the guy's face. And it cuts back to her face. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting. Uh, and then they start talking. And yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and that's the end oh, of that. Oh no, it's fine. This film is gonna be awful. Uh, folks at home, welcome to do try this at home. <laughs> Uh, the podcast uh, where uh, we watch mediocre and bad movies and rewrite them to make them better so you don't have to. I'm here with my co-host, Caleb Barron. Hello. <laughs> I was going to say, you want to say hi, Caleb, but you beat me to it. <laughs> and uh, I uh, still am Harrison Gale, will probably be for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And this week... We're continuing our quest through uh, the Netflix oeuvre to figure out what makes a Netflix film a Netflix film and figure out why they generally are not very good. (laughs) (laughs) So we're continuing that quest uh, with this, this week's selection, Tall Girl from 2019. Yeah. We- uh, directed by Nzinga Stewart and written by Sam Wolfson in what is truly a marvel of the teenage rom-com. <laughs> yeah, this this film... Well, so it's teen, it's teen romance week on... Uh, <laughs> do you try this at home? Finally. <laughs> the, I know the fans the have been, been asking for, for it. <laughs> Just begging. It's this falls into that, yeah, that sort of like like it's it's that kind of film where it, it's it's coming of age, but it, it focuses so heavily on the romance element that it like can't just be a coming of age film. Which uh we'll get into, I'm sure. Tall Girl, which is about uh, you know You you know you have a good synopsis on your hand when people start to laugh as they're <laughs> describing it. Tall Girl is so it's basically the concept is Oh, you think you had a tough time at high school? Well, try being a tall white girl. <laughs> Imagine yeah. that. Wow, the plate of the taller than average white yeah. girl in America. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I was slightly worried that she wasn't going to be that tall. And and to be fair, she is... <laughs> and then we'd be like, then what are we doing? Yeah, exactly. Because I, well, I, 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 you know, I was like, oh yeah, they're just going to cast someone who's like six foot two or something. And that's obviously tall for a girl, right? But uh, she seemed... I don't know how tall the actor is, but she seemed pretty tall. So <laughs> She's very tall. I think in the, in the film, she's like six one. Oh, what? Right. No, no, it must be taller than that, surely. <laughs> she must be taller she than has, that. She has to be. Because the only person that's taller surely. than her is, uh, is Stieg. Stieg. <laughs> wow, himbo king. <laughs> truly, uh, yeah, tr- truly a himbo for the ages. Anyway, sh- I, I, shall I break down the plot a bit more than that? Or... <laughs> sure, because I think if you can. We'll probably mess with it a slightly more but basically you know so like it starts with this voiceover where it's like oh you don't know what it's like to be tall like me it's really hard or whatever uh and then you know she's got like this mom who used to be a, a you know a beauty pageant 
queen and then her sister is as well and her parents don't understand her and no one at school understands her and then she's got this like creepy short guy who like has fancied her forever <laughs> but like they're also best mates for some reason <laughs> yeah um, oh wait hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna pause right there because i also want the the or i also want our listeners to to know that in a, a backstory flashback moment we learned that her father was ready and willing to give his daughter a, a growth stunting medication so she would stop getting taller. Yeah, yeah. Like, this man was, like, eager to help a doctor commit medical malpractice <laughs> just so that his daughter would not be that yeah. tall. <laughs> and he's like... And they never address it again. Like, it's played for laughs. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, and... Well, this is it, and this is what... <sighs> This is what's confusing about this film. I'm just going to give up on giving a, sum- a synopsis of this film. But it's basically just like it's basically just pretty and pink. But yes. also Molly Ringwald is very tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean that is basically it, right? Like, you know, there's a there's a foreign exchange student who's like this very attractive taller guy. He immediately starts dating the hottest girl in school and then by the end uh you know partway through he's like sort of falls for jody and then by the end she ends up dating her best friend rather than this other guy yeah it's yeah sorry spoiler yeah. alert in case you were <laughs> in case, gonna yeah, watch tall you've, girl you've been really holding out on watching tall girl and you just thought oh, i'll just dip into this podcast first <laughs> i'll just dip into <laughs> this podcast so at that first. bit where they they do the joke about you know he's yeah he's like asking like how bad it will be for his daughter to take these like you know growth stunting like drugs or whatever or no the right. surgery or whatever and and I, I was like at this point in the film i'm i'm like howling i'm cackling because it's so bad it's so it's Hooven funny and hollering yeah exactly because it's just like you're just like that's not a funny joke so like it feels like but it feels like they're no. playing it as a spoof right like there's no sincerity in the first like 10 minutes of this film it's so weird and it's shot so right. like it's shot to like feel like hyper stylized in that doctor's uh office mm-hmm. as well uh, but then as we get into it it becomes like overly sincere like you know it's uh oh man so anyway i was like convinced this was a spoof yeah and then it becomes too sentimental exactly. so it just never has it never finds the the tone that it wants yeah it doesn't really know what kind of movie it wants to yeah be. yeah for sure and oh man this film is and then so some of the jokes are truly unhinged this is Bear in mind, this is a PG... <laughs> Just out of control. Exactly. This is PG, right? Which is... Is that called PG yeah. where you are as well? I believe or so. Is, or Here, is it just called G? Uh, in, in, well, in the States, it's PG is a step up from G. So G is the ah, most, right. um, you know, ge- you know, general. Anybody can go see yeah, the movie. Yeah. G for general audiences. Then PG, and then PG, then PG is the next 13. step up. Parental guidance. Yeah. yeah PG-13, R, and then NC-17 if you want to get real <laughs> funky. <laughs> so... Yeah, so this is PG, right? So, like, basically everyone over the age of five is, like, fair game. Um, and there, <laughs> there is a joke where they're talking about Jodie having a child with Stieg, right? And her friend, yep. Dunkelman, or whatever, what's his name? <laughs> Donkey? <laughs> okay, his, his, his name is Jack Dunkelman, but everybody calls him by his last name, Dunkelman, because it's the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> um, and then she calls him Dunkers, Dunkers, but then I call him Dunk, Dunk. because... It reminds me of uh, the logo for the new Dune oh, movie yeah. <laughs> that just looks like it says Dunk instead of Dune. So, so I've been calling him Dunk. So Dunk. So they're talking about Jody and Sheik having a baby, right? And Dunk says yeah. that the baby will be so big she'll have to get a cesarean. And then, and he's yeah, like, "Do you want to live with a scar on your belly for the rest of your life?" And you're like, "This." And it was being played for laughs. Right, like, like I thought this was 2021. Yeah, where we don't like like that's not a con- like that shouldn't be a point of you know criticism or insecurity. No, that was disgusting. For other people, that was like, I was genuinely like again, like I said, like I've been kind of like laughing along at a lot of the like weird jokes because I'm like this is so strange, and then it just got to that and I was like. I was shocked. I right, was like, this is horrible. And that's that's when they lose lose you yeah. because. It's just it's so it's so out of left field and so uncalled yeah. for that it's to the point where it's just like it's not even just like f- weird funny anymore. It's just like important. Yes, exactly. I, I was it was the 
I, don't, I can't even describe how strange that is as, as a joke. Like, that's just such a weird thing to think is funny, especially in a, in a film that, like, must be aimed at children because it's a PG film. Right. I, so, like, they, they know that kids are going to be hearing yes, that. Yes, absolutely bizarre. Anyway, look, we usually start with positives. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, are the, I mean, what well, what is good in this film? Because like, we I mean, we've kind of talked about off air, like this idea of like the central, you know, given so, what's hap- been happening in the, like the past couple of years, like politically, and like where we're at with sort of like with like primary focus of like activism liberal activism it feels so weird that you would make a film where it's like the whole idea is oh isn't my life hard because i'm tall when you think about what difficulties and adversity and they use the word adversity many times in this film what adversity right many people would go through in high school if they were you know a black student in a majority white high school or if right. they were gay or trans yeah. or anything like this is interestingly her best friend is is black yeah. and it so like it just instantly falls into the like black best oh, friend yes, trope yes, in teen movies where i'm like wow um i've been like watching this character talk on screen for five minutes and i still don't know anything about her as a character or a person or her personality or what her ambitions or interests are outside of being this white girl's friend yes and like the only thing i know about her is that she's like fiercely defensive and supportive of her white friend but i don't know like we don't learn anything about what she wants to like be as a person herself until like halfway through the movie yeah, in, in a, a throwaway, throwaway line, line where <laughs> yeah. she mentions like you know you and, and like of course then it's centered around jody yeah. because she's like oh uh you know you were the one who encouraged me to tell my parents i wanted to be a fashion designer and not a doctor but it's like it's totally contextually wrapped up in like tell like that line is only there to tell us that jody is a good friend yeah, exactly. And just like, and, I mean, that I think I, I'm even thinking that could be a way of kind of reframing this story that it's almost like rather than it necessarily being about like Jody like learning self confidence, maybe the lesson is like, you know, Jody learning how to put her life in perspective. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> but then like, and then use like those, like, use like the parody form. To con to convey that theme of like you yeah. know it, it's important to put your problems in perspective because you know there are other people you know not that it has to be you know the oppression Olympics or the suffering Olympics but no. that like you know you like you have problems and like like they suck and they're valid but also like think about it contextually yes. in terms of like how the world is and yeah. you know you'll learn how to deal with your problems better because you know you can then be an ally for people who you know kind of have bigger problems than yeah, you yeah well this is it and i think that's it in a way is is it, you know i i imagine being a very tall girl like there is there probably are challenges with that because it is just like something that's like different to people and whenever people are different they Mm -hmm. often you know get made fun of or you know face different challenges because people don't know how to behave around them right like i get that but at at the same time again like like you say it can't be it can't be this like oppression olympics right like who who is the most oppressed but it should acknowledge that she also comes from incredible privilege. Like her family are clearly right, which very is something wealthy. we never acknowledge yes, in, the, in the film. Exactly. Like her family. Like it's just there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it's just and it's like and, and also like it's not like you know she's a very attractive young woman as well. Like and it's very clear that people are attracted. Yeah, to she's her. yeah, she's beautiful. And and so it is just like it's this such a strange angle to just be like isn't life bad because i'm a bit tall and you just can't you also think like i don't know 20 years ago that's what would have got you a modeling gig immediately <laughs> you know being yeah. that tall i was just thinking that like during most of the movie i was like well she's so tall why doesn't she just start modeling yeah <laughs> or you know 
she's like very athletic build like just there's right. definitely sports she could play i mean in the film yeah like why isn't she on like the basketball or volleyball team yeah, exactly. she's very good at piano because she has big hands like that's, right <laughs> that's written into the character and like and so when she finds her self-confidence as well like i don't know like i think it would have been fun to incorporate more of those things like who is who is she what is her personality like and how does that tie into the things she loves doing like if she's passionate about musicals and piano and music and things that should be part of how she grows as a person rather than Mm -hmm. just like a kind of like a a just oh this is an added on detail about her right and this like bizarre way that she bonds with steve yeah like (laughs) <laughs> who i've now Steve. looked up the spelling okay, and it's just... i love that character he's such a freak <laughs> he is. i've looked up the spelling and it's just stig s-t-i-g <laughs> stig <laughs> it's he's so funny because he just like he's such a he's just a big loser and like there's this whole joke in it that he's like yeah in, back in sweden where he's from he's like the biggest loser in school right and and he just likes he likes movie <laughs> musicals and that's it. Right. Like, he's just so uncool and uninteresting. And, and, and like, I, well, it's not uninteresting. But and then, but then, like, everyone just immediately falls for him because he's just, like, blue eyes, blonde hair, tall. <laughs> it's just... Right. And he's and he's not ugly. Oh, no, no, no. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's incredibly attractive. But it's just so funny that people are, like, I don't know. There's just nothing to him. He's, like, a complete airhead in the film. I think like yeah like they they invent this like movie musical thing as like a way of like having a connection but it, it it's nothing <laughs> and it just comes out of nowhere yeah well the, i think that's it i think so much of this is so much comes out of nowhere because there's this issue kind of with all the characters in the film that there's just sort of no real explanation for why they like the things they like i mean why does stieg like movie musicals just why they behave the way yeah, they do yeah, why is like that? there's yeah there's no basis for anyone's behavior or interests or i mean let's just let's just like i just want to briefly mention just how unhinged the character can Kimmy is yes like Kimmy who is Jody's uh nemesis at school <laughs> she's the most popular girl in school she's very beautiful um and her entire personality is just just revolves around being horrible specifically to Jody and I also think that there's like this like it feels out of touch with well at least in like American high schools yeah like Kids today care a lot more about being kind to each other. So you wouldn't be the most popular girl in school if you were like, uh, you know, seeking out like like a missile, another girl in school and just making her life miserable like that. It just doesn't it just doesn't feel like it makes sense as a as a characterization for like popular girl yes. and i guess like her other personality trait is uh rich yeah <laughs> so she's just mean well, and rich and maybe that would have been like maybe that would have been grounds for popularity in like 1985 yeah um which it, as it is in many you know uh, teen movies of that era or even you know even in the 90s but you know in 2021 where like you know kids are also a lot more socially conscious i just don't like yeah. it just doesn't like she like hates jody just because she's tall that's it, and it, it, it also doesn't like, make any that sense thing about wealth as well like that doesn't work when every character we meet seems to be wealthy or like all the ones we at least right. get enough backstory of seem to be wealthy like b- because then it's like well you're popular because you're mean and you're wealthy, but everyone is wealthy and lots of the ca- the other characters seem to be pretty mean. So it's just like, what? Ah, uh, yes, but but uh, Kimmy wears a shirt that says sassy. Oh, well, there you go. So <laughs> it's, yeah. It, so she's also sassy. The, I guess the last like sort of thing I want to mention before we really try and fix this thing is the setting. Mm-hmm. Because this film, I mean, you would be forgiven for forgetting that this film is set in New Orleans because there is one scene that makes it relevant to New Orleans. And then yeah, they're is... like, oh, uh, remember we're in New Orleans? Yeah. They're on the trolley. And Yeah. Well, no, so there's one established, yeah, there's like that one establishing shot and then like short scene of them on a tram. And then one short scene where they are like, 
are doing their school parade, which is <laughs> through the French Quarter, right. which, like, if you know anything about New Orleans, you know would just be impossible. Like, <laughs> right. where is your school? <laughs> it's, it's just so bizarre. Yeah, where in town is this school? <laughs> it's, it's very strange. And again, uh, if we're talking about adversity and things as well, New Orleans is a city that has an incredible amount of deprivation. And, and a lot of that is, like, drawn Mm -hmm. in you know racial lines uh Mm -hmm. so again it seems bizarre as a setting for this kind of relatively upbeat teen romance about (laughs) about a tall girl i just right that also wants to be very of of the of the city but also like totally ignores the you know historical context Um, and political context of New Orleans. Yeah, and I mean, even beyond, like, the, you know, the the political context and, and the historical context of, like, racism in that city, I mean, you have the recent history of Hurricane Katrina as well, which is still, you still feel the effects in New Orleans, even, uh, what is it, 16 years later? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, that that area has not recovered. Just um, such a strange choice of, like, place, is, especially in film, when you're when you are exploring everything visually, Visually, place uh-huh. has so much to offer a story and mm-hmm. can also become such a great distraction when it's poorly chosen and it is so poorly chosen in this film because they make nothing of the fact that it's in new orleans yeah the, it's 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 set in new orleans but it's it it's written and feels like they live in a back lot in LA, yes. which is probably where it was. Yeah, almost <laughs> yeah, certainly. So, look, I anyway, that's all stuff out there. The characters behave in bizarre ways and are ridiculous. The setting makes no sense, and and the sort of general premise of the film has a sort of problematic element to it, in that it it refuses to acknowledge the privilege of its central character and the adversity that other characters and other real people might face. And look, not every film has to cover all of that. But when you're making a film specifically about the trials and tribulations of getting through high school, it's kind of like... Yeah, at that point, you're like, you're kind of asking exactly. for it. Like, if you... Yeah, if you're going to, you know, you're going to do this, then you you have to fig- you have to think about those contextual questions and elements. You can't just ignore them because you feel like making you know, just a, a, a light, frothy teen romance comedy. Yeah. You know, nothing is, is made or viewed in a vacuum. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you're like, you're choosing, you're choosing to set this in a location that um, has a very fraught political and racial history, and then, you know, you're like just, you know, you're playing into old uh, stereotypes and tropes in not only in teen movies, but about characters of color. Yeah. You know, like, you got to answer for that. Yes, um, yeah. And, you know, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I think my my instinct for how to rework this is, I mean, well, first of all, I think the, the basic conceit of it needs to be needs to be reworked yes Um, it can't it can't stay just as it is about like you know that it's this like coming of age slash romance about um a a white girl who feels out of place because she's tall it it can't be entirely sincere and and you mentioned and yeah it can't be entirely sincere either you mentioned earlier parody as well is that an angle you want to explore yeah i mean like i i think I, you know i i do believe that that comedy and the various forms that it can take can can reveal can reveal truths about you know about people uh, and about the way that they interact with each other and about um you know different aspects of society at large yes we live in a society um and uh you know and i think that this like i think there's an opportunity there that you know because at the beginning it establishes itself as being self-aware but then because it doesn't it doesn't weave that tone throughout the film and so it thinks that it's earned the rest of its sincerity and sentimentality just because it had one bit at the beginning that was like very self-aware and i guess even ironic and that you know you can't you can't earn the rest of the runtime being you know overly sentimental just because you had one scene at the beginning winking at the audience yes so I think I think the new approach would be to like lean into that and you know because the teen movie has been done to death. So if you're going to be making a teen movie, 
you know, at least in my opinion, come to the table with something different about it. Like, how are you going to play around with this thing that's been, you know, done a hundred times? Yes. And I think the way to do that with this film is to lean into that self-awareness and kind of reframe it rather than being about like trying to be this, you know, sincere or sentimental film about, um, you know, a, a white girl who's an outcast because she's tall. Uh, you know, as I think, I think I might have mentioned this earlier of like, you know, make it a film about uh, a girl who learns how to put her life in perspective because yeah. up until this point, she has been seeing things just through the lens of her own problems. But, you know, other other people also experience hardship. Yeah. And that's not to say that, like, it's not to teach her that, like, oh, like, her problems don't matter, but it's to teach her that her problems matter, but also other people pro- other people's problems matter, and she can harness that feeling of alienation and feeling outcast wait, there's to an relate to other people. <laughs> oh, wait, there's an alienation? Yeah. She can... <laughs> anyway... <laughs> She can harness that feeling of alienation and feeling <laughs> like out of place and feeling outcast and use that like and, you know, yes. use that to to emp- not not just empathize with other people, but turn that into action to help make everyone's life better. Yes. Like it, it's not just about her being bullied and learning how to be proud of herself. It's like, you know, her using that. You know, it becomes like her using that experience to then, you know, help the, you know, other people in her community who are probably facing, you know, uh, discrimination in more, I guess, I want to say tangible, but like, I like honestly more consequential ways. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, and then, and so then, yeah. And so then, like, you know, it's, it's, it's Jody sort of like opening up her perspective, and then yeah. we make Farida her best friend, like like a co-main character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm, there can be a moment in the film where you can switch perspective slightly, and we see things from Farida's perspective, which are like, oh, this is, you know, we, we, that's a moment for the audience to uh, to feel like, oh, yeah, Jody's like really being, uh, you know, not not really acknowledging the fact that there's other things apart from her and, and this is the challenge right of like writing a uh a coming of age teen film is that like it relies on this idea of the experience of an individual and their growth right mm-hmm. um but what you're talking about and i think it's a really actually an exciting idea is this idea of someone coming to realize that their growth can happen with other people like it can be mm-hmm. a communal experience of oh we're all teenagers working through our own identity and for me that's i'm taller than everyone else and for some people that's you know i there is racial prejudice in our society that prevents me from living the life that my friend here who's white lives uh you know and but for some people that could be you know like where are the queer characters in this film why why is there not something about you know living part of high school I, I mean, not all. I don't want all like queer characters to be expressed through like coming out, but like living high school in the closet and then coming out, or having been out for a while but not really mm-hmm. been able to like live that identity fully because you know people bully you or whatever. Like I, I just think there's or people have preconceived notions about yes, you, yeah, or of course, you know. Yeah, I think for me that the key to that then of making that story work is well one yeah like pulling back on sincerity more self-awareness uh you know more almost like spoofiness to like i think jody can be over the top about her own situation at first because that's part of the growth of the character um but i think as well it's it's about i guess being sensitive to uh still making it clear that the the growth of jody as a character isn't because of you know, it's not about like, oh, I can become a better person because I've realized how hard it is for everyone else. Uh, because that becomes like this sort of like, you know, it's it's like using others' op- oppression to like become part of your personality. And it's like, well, exactly. I, you know, yeah. I'm I'm an activist for others, so I'm such a great person. And, and that doesn't actually like allow you to 
acknowledge <laughs> you know who you are and your privilege i mean and maybe that's even maybe that's even act two that you yeah. know it's kind of like this like this switch happens you know end of act one you know is kind of breaking out of that like small smaller perspective that smaller world um and then act two is like you know oh like i have empathy now so uh i don't have to do much else other than just kind of care and then by the end of act two it's like no you can't just do that like you have to you you know you've got to put your money where your mouth is you have to you have to like take tangible action and most importantly you have to listen to the people from the communities that are you know dealing with you know this you know systemic um oppression um and also recognize that you know again still like you know like you're not you're not like the savior of of these communities and it's not about it's again like the like the kind of the the theme being it's not about you um (laughs) yeah i really you know like it's not about you now feeling better about other people having problems it's like you it's about you becoming a part of a community of people working towards a solution yes yeah i you know and i think the way you've described that there there's a really to me that that screams for this to be like you know we talk a lot about like a like a three-act structure as like our primary way of storytelling um but i think that it's slightly sort of uh diminutive of like all of the different ways of structuring narrative right and Mm -hmm. i think there's there's a way of doing this where we have this like 45 minutes first act in which jody goes through basically the arc of the film as it currently stands of like growing in confidence but at the same time through that also like having that thing of like acknowledging like oh others face adversity like me and that helps her to grow in confidence i think that there's a a nice way of doing that and you still Mm -hmm. end with like the homecoming dance at the end of that bit um and she makes the same similar like speech and stuff but it's like Mm -hmm. you know oh you know we're we're all different and that's great and like you know we all face (laughs) adversity but like you know that's something we can all do together so then you can have this switch in the second half uh where we're following her friend Farida and it's the 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 story is like a a complete switch in perspective and we learn about who Farida is and her backstory and and the adversity she's facing Mm -hmm. and how she might grow in confidence and grow as a character because we kind of we we basically meet Farida at the end of her story arc you know like she's already stood up to her parents about going to fashion school she's already her own person you're like hmm that would have been interesting to see exactly (laughs) so why not have that experience and again that arc is a different arc to just Oh, me being becoming comfortable in in my identity, which I see as other to everyone else, and they see me as other, um, because it's then also a story about like hopes and dreams, and like you know things you want to do with the future and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- we switch to that arc, but through that we also tell this story of like Jody becoming this person who who has has kind of decided that like yeah, because they cared once um, publicly they're now like the perfect human being and, and and they've like they've kind of they've become enlightened and they're now this sort of like you know savior to everyone else around them and you can by telling it from that other angle you can then force a situation where the film ends with like Farida coming to the end of her arc and us learning about her you know reaching her potential coming of age at the same time as like bringing about this conflict between her and Jody where they have to like you know figure this out where it's like yeah you know this is a communal thing but that can't be about you because if we're growing together as a community and as friends and all of this that has to be about both of us and about everyone else as well that's really hard to do in a teen romance i think (laughs) yeah i mean like we're but i i think you know like the way that we're kind of talking about reworking this is kind of you know accepting that it's it's not i mean it's it's playing around with genre and it's not gonna be you know it's it's just not gonna be teen romance anymore um you know in in the in the traditional sense and i'm even sort of imagining like again like doing these things that play around with the form which netflix films seem to be very afraid of doing like i'm thinking of the gag in i don't know if you ever saw vice um no i can't believe i'm talking about vice <laughs> on a podcast um but one of the your, gags your that i actually vice, yeah. yeah my favorite movie vice um 
<laughs> directed by Adam McKay. But actually, one of the gags that I thought was really inventive in that movie, um, and I'm actually, I'm sure some other director has done it before um, that I just haven't seen, and I'm sure Adam McKay is borrowing it from somebody else. <laughs> um, but there's like, you know, it like kind of goes through like the whole, you know, it goes through like Dick Cheney's arc as like, you know, kind of being like low-key super villain yeah. um and vice president of the united states and then like halfway or like two-thirds of the way through the movie it like like up oh, it seems like his act you know like I've, I, it's been years since i've seen it but it's like two-thirds <laughs> of the way through the movie they start playing the end credits oh right before the movie is over yeah and there's still like a third of the movie left and so i'm imagining kind of like the end of like you know the supposed end of jody's arc that like wow now she cares about other people yes yeah um and like end credits start playing and it's like wait wait, wait, wait we're not done yet yes, like, yeah, this yeah. isn't the whole movie like there's she's gotta do more than that um anyway no i know i like that <laughs> i know i really like that because and it's it's that thing as well, like, we kind of have this thing where Jody chooses a guy over Farida at one point, and Farida's quite upset, and we never right, really... Right, and then they never have a reconciliation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know if that was, like, maybe cut for time or something like that, but it just, it felt really weird. But if you have that where they never have a proper reconciliation, but Jody has, like, come to this conclusion, and so therefore right. just expects Farida to be like, oh, you're amazing, and she's like, nope, no, 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 we didn't, you know, there's also, you know... I thought what you said was good, but also like there's personal issues here as well. Cause that's, you know, it's, I guess it's that thing of like tying the challenge that we're setting ourselves in, in the idea we've come up with is tying like the, the personal stakes of being a teenager to these like larger questions of like, you know, facing oppression and, 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 mm -hmm. and building community. Right. Right. Which I think actually like a high school film is kind of the perfect way to do that because when you're in, high school like you feel like you're it's like one of the few times in life where you really feel like you're in a community because you have to rock up to that community like eight hours, right. eight hours a day or whatever um, and then somehow at the same time it's also it's also perfect on the other hand because it's also when not only are you a part of that like kind of like micro community but you also think the world revolves around you yes yeah 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 in, yeah. in a way that like you like you only think that way when you're a toddler and when you're a teenager. Yes. And then outside of those like moments in your life, you're you, like, you have to get out of that headspace. And part of becoming an adult is going through that teenage phase of thinking everything, you know, everything that happens to you is either the greatest thing to ever happen to anybody or totally catastrophic and world ending. And you like, and being a teenager, part of that is like figuring out who you are as a person. So then you can be a person that like can connect with other people. Yes. And then once you've gone through that, like little phase of, you know, thinking that the world revolves around you, then you like part of that, you know, rude awakening of continuing to grow up and becoming an adult is like, oh, wait, like, actually, everything that happens to me is not totally catastrophic or world ending. Yes. Yeah. Um, like, I'm just a person and things happen to me, but also things happen to other people. And, you know, then you kind of like, so you, you know, you go into that, you know, uh, like self-centered space and then you leave it. And then, you know, now you're an adult and you understand that, you know, not everything revolves around you. Yes. And yeah. so it, like, so it does in that sense, like it is, you know, as you're saying, like it is a perfect arena to like kind of work out these these issues with each other because it has that kind of like dual quality of like you're both totally wrapped up in your own headspace and your own problems but you are also part of this like micro community at you know usually at your school and, and i think what's like really neat about what we've just been talking about is that we kind of get this we can have this moment halfway through where jody it has realized there are other people out there and and she's not the center well she's realized that therefore like her problems aren't always the biggest problems that are going on right and i think as well like let's be clear that we've talked about the racial thing here and we've talked about um you know sort of sexual identity as well but like you know this goes way further into like class as well and and the fact that she's like this wealthy middle class uh you know g like 
the fact that you know her family obviously has like a fair amount of wealth like can't you know mm-hmm. be ignored as well but you know we have this moment where she realizes that like the other problems that people face but like what's great is that like the arc doesn't end there because she still puts herself at the center of that mm-hmm. and i think that that's to me that i think that's really interesting because i think that's like actually a pretty that's a hard thing to communicate i guess is this idea of like just because you've realized there's other people in the world doesn't mean you still haven't realized that you're not the center of it right i think that there's these are like you know the revelation of growing up and realizing you're not the center of the universe is is more than just realizing there's other people in the world because i know lots of people that are self-aware enough to realize they're not the only person with problems but not self-aware enough to realize that uh that doesn't mean they can't be the center of the attention all the time <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> and so i think I we think all know them what would be really cool is if after you know in that second half when jody's kind of like you know, made this speech and kind of said, like, you know, you know, I had this revelation. Well, that's me done. Yeah, is is if if that like makes her super popular in that kind of classic high school trope, mm-hmm. and and so and then when we switch perspective there to Farida, it's like, oh, my really good friend uh, is now like doesn't hang out with me because she's suddenly popular with everyone because of this. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and for some reason I'm meant to be glad about it because she said some, you know, nice things about how hard it must be to be, you know, a person of color or whatever. (laughs) It's like, I think that could be a really interesting, like, like, that's not enough, Jody. Yeah. And it's, I think it's an interesting use of like those high school film tropes. Um, Mm -hmm. but just like sort of twisting them for this kind of like, yeah, this, this idea that, you know, the true like way of like finding community is to look beyond ourselves i guess the challenge then is how do we tell this Farida arc without it feeling like it's just another person who's going through the same arc of like realizing something about themselves and not make it about actually the film has to be about her and not jody because if the idea is it's about everyone it has to we have to sort of practice that in the film mm-hmm Hmm. <laughs> it is a diff- I mean, yeah, it is a difficult problem, but I think, and I guess this is kind of why, you know, these movies always kind of wind up being the same thing and don't do anything inventive because it is a challenge and it's not easy to do. And I think filmmakers and, you know, screenwriters and storytellers are often afraid of, you know, trying and doing it wrong. Yeah. And so then they just don't try at all. Yes. You know, and I think part of part of the exercise that we do on this podcast is like, you know, we don't necessarily have to have the answers to everything. And of course, you know, a lot of what we talk about is much easier said than done. And, you know, like, of course, this this concern that you bring up of like, you know, not just repeating the same story arc and then also um you know making making Farida's story feel feel unique and all and yet also contributing towards this this theme that we're that we're circling around like it I you know I'm not really sure what the answer is of you know how to do that yeah I guess one thing you you could do and again like exactly as you say like you know on this podcast we put out these ideas because we think that they're like better choices but that doesn't mean that like that immediately would make it a better film if you just inserted these things in Mm -hmm. but i I guess like maybe doing something around like whilst jody like enjoys this popularity because of you know a revelation she made about herself we see farida like actually engaging in helping others to be themselves and to be a part of this community and i don't know exactly how that plays out whether it's about like you know she's in like a club and she gets other people into the club and and they like you know it and through like a shared passion they they find like some kind of community together i mean maybe tie that into like how she wants to do fashion or something and she starts like a fashion society at the school and, yeah and i mean and through that sorry go ahead i was just gonna say through that like a number of characters realize who they want to be together as a group and she through that realizes who she wants to be and what she wants to do yeah i i do like that idea and i i and that like maybe even you know, part of Frida's story is that, like, you know, maybe she drifts away from Jody. Maybe 
maybe they don't yeah. like stay close friends because not only is that something that happens in high school, um, but yeah. also like it becomes kind of clear that you know in in this version of the film that that Jody is like you know she's not a kind of she's not like the kind of supportive friend that Farida needs because Farida clearly like gives a lot of herself and she's always like you know. I mean, in the original version of the film, literally, she only exists to be supportive to Jody, And so maybe that's yeah. kind of the way that we subvert that, like, you know, supportive, like, fiercely defensive black best friend who has, like, no internal life. You know, we subvert that and it becomes like, oh, well, wait, you know, I'm exerting all of this, you know, effort and energy to be supportive to you. And you can't even formally apologize to me for blowing yeah. me off for, like, popular jerks that you wanted to be liked yeah. by. And so then... You know, we combine that with with your idea of like her now finding a new community through, you know, whatever like new club she gets into or, you know, maybe it has something to do with, uh, you know, her ambition to be a fashion designer. Um, and so yeah. like then, you know, when we when we kind of like flip the perspective, they're like, oh, actually, like now that we're, you know, kind of, yeah. And like, you know, subverting that best friend trope by then when we switch perspective really making it about the in, in, interiority and internal yeah. life and search for fulfillment of that best friend. That's a really neat narrative trick, I think. And it, I, as well, I just think it's so... I really like this idea of like having this positive revelation of the central character in the first act, but then the way you say that that's not enough is just to shift perspective entirely. Mm -hmm. And you don't then have to have that central character come to the revelation we want them to because you can just show that they didn't, you know, that they didn't go far enough by just showing another character that does go far enough. Right. I think that's really, really cool as an idea. And I think you can even tie in little, like little things like, you know, let's say this is their like senior year or whatever. You can tie in stuff about like, how Jody and Farida have always said they'll go to the same college right, or something. Yeah. And then Farida's like, actually, I've looked at it. And the only reason I was making that decision is because that's where you wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at what I want to do, actually going here would be way better. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, I just think is like, and and so, and so and that thing of like drifting apart, I think, yeah, I think that makes so much sense because, I mean, I work in a school at the moment and you see like year to year, I've seen, you know, like whole friendship groups completely change mm -hmm. amongst the students. And you're like, huh, how's that happen? You know, oh, <laughs> like, wow. but you, I guess when you're in it, you don't think about it. But it is like, yeah. And and, and that's part of growing up is realizing that some people you thought you, you know, like I, you had friends as kids who are like your, your best friend because your parents were mates. Right. Or like Because, you know, they lived the closest out of your other friends from school or whatever. Right. And actually you can realize like, oh, this isn't actually someone for me. This is just a, this is just a person I, I was like. Spending time with. Yeah. Exactly. I had geographical proximity to or whatever, right. you know. And, you know, and that you don't have to stay with those friends forever and, and you can, you know, you have agency in choosing, you know, who is going to be in your life and who's going to be supportive and then who you're just kind of like, you know, wasting um you know your emotional energy on um yes yeah. and that's something that that teenagers go through well we and we talked about this before on something borrowed didn't yeah. we? yeah and and actually but i think this nice throwback this film's <laughs> yeah, I know, one. yeah this film it actually i think would be an even better place to explore that because because yeah part of growing up it, you know it is just that thing of coming of age can be about you know coming of age in in the way that you pick your friendships mm -hmm. and, and you choose who, who you want to hang out with and stuff and giving Farida more interesting people to hang out with. Right. <laughs> I just think, why not? She, cause like I say, like we meet her at the end of her arc and she seems like a really interesting person. There's there, there seems like there should be so much to her, but right. we're given so little. And you're like, I want to hear that... more about her. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, well, um, remember that, uh, you know, that entire narrative arc that, that you helped me through, Jody, yeah. that we're not going to see yeah. any of? Thank you for exactly. that. Exactly. And you're like, well, wait yeah. a second. <laughs> and that's it. And, like, in some ways, you can almost start her at the same place. Mm -hmm. um, and you can have that mention of that arc that's happened before. Uh, because, actually, also part of it is that when you're growing up, you, I feel like you come of age more than once, right? Mm -hmm. In a way. Like, you have this revelation about yourself, and then you go, and then, like, a couple of years later, you're like, 
you look back on that and you're like, oh, I was such a kid. I didn't realize this, this and this. And so to start her at a place where she seems like she's more put together than Jodie and she's got it all figured out. And then when, you know, that friendship kind of ends, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, wow. Like who, who am I when I'm not friends with Jodie and, and actually discovers a lot more about herself and a lot more about how interesting she can be mm-hmm. um, as part of a different community of people uh or you know or even just like as her own person who's like figured out oh this is what i like and this is what i don't like and uh and i don't need someone else to figure that out for me or to mm-hmm. tell other people about that for me well you know have we i think have we've we done it i think we've done it again <laughs> i want i do i want one quick note on technical direction this film seemed to think that putting someone in like the furthest left or right like quarter of the screen was an alternative for creative shooting (laughs) Um, and it made it made conversations impossible to watch oh man because it's just like oh isn't this a kooky way of shooting this conversation but why are you shooting it like that helping at all like what is the purpose of this what what does it tell us nothing nothing so people are so just, I just, it just makes I us angry like great it, i it's so it's so thoughtless it's just like oh well i've seen these other like indie edgy teen films do this thing where they just like only show half of someone's face for like half a conversation i'll just do that and you, you is have you stopped to think about why they might have done that in that other film have you stopped to think about what that offers this visual language you know like you know what is it saying with the shot as much as with the dialogue? And the answer with this was nothing. Uh, <sighs> anyway, so, you know, I guess we just wouldn't do that as well. Yeah, we make sure that that's not in our version. Yeah. <laughs> it's very important. Well, Harrison, um, congratulations on uh, doing it again. Yeah, congrats to you too, we, Caleb. We've really done thank it. Thank you. We really We've saved cinema I once think- again. There's so much to talk about with this film because it was so awful. Yeah. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, like the first half hour is it's kind of funny how bad it is and then it becomes a real slog. Uh, there's a whole bit where they go to a, an escape room. Oh, wait. And, oh, oh, my. Like, yeah, let's oh, not even did that get into scene? it. Like, it's just so <laughs> weird. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, let's do this escape room. And now with like 11 minutes left, um, let's just all sit and make out with each other. Like, yeah. why? <laughs> it's like, that's so funny. It's like the, and it's like the character, I can't remember her name, Kimmy or something. She's like, oh, since we all have this room to our, ourselves. Right. And it's like six of you. There are six of you here. Also, like, and you don't all... have it to yourselves because there's literally but, a camera in there watching. Yeah. So yeah. you're not by yourself. <laughs> what a, what an awful scene. I was so uncomfortable. Oh, truly. I was so deeply cringe. uncomfortable. Anyway, I'm glad that we um, acknowledge that. I was like trying to yeah, suppress that in my memory because it was just so <laughs> cringy. I think I think like there's so much further to go with this because there was so much wrong with it. I feel like we only kind of you know got the tip of the iceberg. But, but then you if know, we went through all of the things that were wrong with it, it would be a different podcast. But hopefully we've we've given a sense of yeah. what you could do with the truly cursed premise. Truly, that is truly Tall cursed. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> Harrison, this season <laughs> of Do Try This at Home, we you know, we've been exploring the the, the world of the Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. Um and we've been asking one central question what what the heck is a Netflix what movie? What is a Netflix movie? Has this question got you any closer to answering? No, has this film sorry, <laughs> has this film got you any closer <laughs> to answering this question? Yeah, I think I think it has and I you know, I mentioned this earlier and I think it's, you know, I don't know if it's like a so much a reflection of of Netflix even or if it's just kind of like, you know, a criticism of kind of the state of mid-budget filmmaking as a whole but i mean i do i do yeah. put a lot on on netflix because that has become pretty much like the primary distribution model for these yeah. kinds of films um that you know it feels like there is a lot of trepidation in like taking risks cinematically and narratively that it's kind yeah. of like you know they churn out these mid-budget films that are all kind of like saying things that have already been said and doing them you know presenting them you know in their in their film form 
in a, a way that, you know, has been done a hundred times before that isn't inventive and is very safe. And, you yeah. know, they're afraid people, I, I think, you know, people, but I think a lot of these filmmakers who, who wind up either making things commissioned for Netflix or wind up having their films distributed on Netflix are really afraid to, I don't know if it's because they're afraid to make something bad and then in turn they just wind up, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy or they just wind up making yeah. something bad anyway because it's so safe or if, um, you know, they're just really not thinking about like, if that's just not a priority for them in terms of what their product output is. But, yeah, a lot of these films feel very safe. And, um, you know, yeah. Tall Girl feels, even though I think it's, like, poorly executed in many ways, it also feels, like, very safe in terms of what theme it's trying to convey. It's something that teen movies have said a hundred times in terms yeah. of, like, yeah. you know, it maybe, it like, once or twice it might attempt something, you know, inventive in you know how it's telling a story cinematically but it's clearly like not well thought out or done with intention of or, or, yeah. or making something in the story clearer or you know making something narratively more effective or telling something visually it's just kind of like oh, let me just throw this flourish in there for a not very well thought out reason yeah and I think that gets into what we've talked about before with with this question mm -hmm. of what's a Netflix movie. But I think this film like absolutely captures that perfectly mm -hmm. is this idea of like you can use stylish cinematic techniques without any thought of what they mean. Mm -hmm. Uh, in order to make your film seem better than it is. And I think you see this a lot with these kind of Netflix original. And also I think you see it a lot with what is like considered prestige TV, mm -hmm. you know, TV that's like, that is like meant to feel cinematic, but actually often the, the choices are made to make it look cinematic, but it's still television, right. if that makes sense. And I think that's when we've talked about these Netflix films feeling like TV movies, but they're like, the production quality is way higher mm -hmm. and they are like generally, they, you know, they feel like they, they just by looking at them, you would say they're better than TV movies. Um, but when you really dig into it, you realize actually these are just using, you know, the kind of cinematic flourishes that you see in like a Nike commercial. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the stuff where it's like, okay, yeah, this is just, this looks pretty. Oh, what commercial? <laughs> Nike. Like like the the shoe brand? The sports. Nike? The sports brand. Do you call it Nike? <laughs> yeah. It's. I would just call it Nike. No, Caleb. No, it's Nike. You know, like Spike. No, it's or like Light. the. <laughs> it's like the like the Greek goddess of victory. Yeah, Nike. which is pronounced Nike. That's pronounced Nike. Okay. <laughs> All right, fine. Then we're both wrong. You know what? Do people you know really? Call, is that? I'm gonna start. Though. Do people call it know, that? Like over me. there in maybe on your me. side of you the know, pond. You know, I'm gonna. I'm gonna start all of that again because <laughs> i'm just gonna then i can just cut this no <laughs> the people need to know the truth you called it night <laughs> i'm sorry i had to acknowledge it i couldn't let it slide no please that's fine that's fine this film i what I, essentially what i'm saying is this film this film uses cinematic flourishes in the same way that like a a sports clothing brand or car commercial might use cinematic flourishes where it's all about just looking cool enough to sell you on what is in it right, right? so like we're gonna sell you on this story we're telling you just because it looks a bit cool at moments i think like i would say that this is um this is like what has become of like the long take because it's so much easier to do a long take now right. than it was like 50 60 years ago what has um, become of the used... long take yeah <laughs> it was like in that chris hemsworth film extraction they have like this 20 minute long take in the middle and look it's a very inventive use of the camera in that sequence it goes from like a car chase into like this like like sort of stealth mission through an apartment block into like another car chase Whoa. but at the same time 
it's packaged in a really bad film mm. and you go and you go why did you use a long take there apart from because it looked cool to do a long take you know right. it's so I, and i guess and extraction was a netflix original film we're not going to cover it this season but i so i think it's this thing of like that it's about using like cinematic flourishes to like sell you on the the film and like the brand of like netflix original being like these high production films but actually like they mean nothing and they're worth nothing mm-hmm. when it comes down to it because they offer nothing to theme, story, and character. They're just visually interesting. And yeah, I, this film does it in, in, in like the, the stuff I talked about before where it's like just the, the like technical direction of this and like the production design is just done in such a way where it's like you're meant to believe that this looks like a really good film, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it feels like an awful one when you're in it. Yeah, and it is probably an awful one i think it is and i guess if it quacks like a duck (laughs) then it must be an awful film it must be an awful film (laughs) that's that's the phrase well look harrison i think we are getting scarily close to understanding (laughs) what the heck a netflix movie is close we're this close and for our listeners i'm like i'm putting my index finger to my thumb and just like hovering my index finger over my thumb to, to yeah. convey like how close we are that's pre- that's pretty close that's pretty close <laughs> harrison let's let's wrap up yeah. there how how can people find you on social media um if you want to okay i've been saying if you want to come find me and yell at me about movies but now apparently people are doing that on letterbox so just like how if you want to come find <laughs> me and have like a normal thoughtful conversation about movies um yeah uh or like uh fangirl about stuff because i also love just like unbridled positivity about things and liking things um you yeah. can find me uh on instagram Twitter and Letterboxd at Hiya Harrison uh, and Caleb. <laughs> where can where can they find you on social media? I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Caleb Lebster. That's C A L E B L E B S T E R. I got I got to spell it because people do not. I mean, I guess it maybe it's different. Okay, Mister, I don't know like how to pronounce you, Nike. Like, <laughs> I feel like North Americans like Caleb is a more common name there. Oh really? But over here, like no one's called Caleb. Wow. So everyone yeah, I I get all sorts. Anyway, there we go. <laughs> well, we've done it again. <laughs> and you you can find us on uh Twitter and Instagram at do try this pod. And, and we uh, encourage you to try this pod. Yeah, do try, do this, try pod. this pod. And encourage and encourage others to do try this pod. I guess that's it. I guess we did do try this at we, home. We, we... <laughs> that was a maybe you like it production. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't. <laughs> <laughs>